Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Robert, I am the recovery guy, and I'll tell you, I um, I get so excited to be in front of you and to be with you. I think since I've gone from two podcasts a week to one podcast a week, I get more anxious because I know I just pretty much have one shot with you, and and I'm so grateful that you uh, hang out with me uh, when you can, and you share this when you can, and you subscribe when you can. And uh, today I'm a little hyper excited because. Um, I have this wonderful person in studio with me, and and as you know, um, even though I like to share, I don't have many guests. I mean, you could probably count them on one hand in my 230-some podcasts how many times I've had a guest on the show. Sometimes, though, there's a person who is so likable and does such a great service to the recovery community that I just can't resist Um my otherwise uh, uh, selfish <laughs> ends of, of talking uh, all the time myself. So I want to introduce you someone who's turned out to be a great friend of mine. Matter of fact, there was a coaching client I had who he is now the sponsor of. And so I've actually handed off an individual, for the lack of a better term, to this, to this friend, and he is the, the founder and the podcaster for a, a podcast called um, uh, Rico12, R-E-C-O-12.com. His name is Justin B., and I'm going to introduce and let Justin just share with you what his mission is, and I think you're going to love this because he and I color with the same crayon when it comes to getting well in a holistic format not just tackling the alcohol or the drugs or the pornography or our primary um, addiction or behavioral disorder, but Justin runs a web, uh, a a website and a, and a podcast that sort of speaks to all things. So let me bring Justin in and have him chat and we'll just have a conversation and, and let's see where you fit in terms of uh, Justin's experience as he has walked and been successful in the road of recovery. So, Justin, good afternoon. Hey, Robert. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that uh, introduction, and I am <laughs> I'm honored to be one of the few guests of your podcast. I enjoy listening to your podcast and listening to you uh, share your wisdom, your experience, strength, and hope as you've get, gained that over the last what, 36 years in, in yeah. working recovery. What a, what a blessing, what a miracle, and what a service you do. Thank you so much. And uh, like you said, I am the host of the Rico 12 Speaker Meeting Podcast. And I'll just give a really quick overview of that before I jump into a little bit of what we're going to talk about. So Rico 12 is a, uh, a service, a, an organization that uh, we do a weekly speaker meeting, a live weekly speaker meeting on Zoom where I have a recovering addict with at least one year of sobriety who is actively working their steps in the rooms of recovery and, you know, working with others. 
speak to us on a topic of their choice. And right now we're in the middle of a 12 week series on each of the 12 steps of recovery, mm-hmm. which thank you, Robert, for being step one and kicking us up off on that uh, uh, about a month ago or so, a month and a half yeah. ago. And uh, did a great job there. We just did step six, recorded that today and looking forward to the rest of the steps as I move on through that. Um, and and this organization, I, I invite um, recovering addicts from anywhere, from any fellowship, any addiction, any faith background, any nation to join in and share their, their experience, strength, and hope so that I and others can learn the similarities of all addictions, the similarity that the, the problem isn't the alcohol, the problem mm-hmm. isn't the sex, the problem isn't the gambling, the problem is me, yeah. the problem is self. So that's kind of a general overview of that. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, I'm excited to get talking here. You know, I, um, once again, I, I just re- appreciate your mission and your dedication and, and, um, you know, like this morning I was mowing my lawn and I got that message. So if you want to get a message um, when when the podcast is going live, just reach out to Justin and, and on his website and and you can actually get a reminder. And so I was in the middle of mowing my lawn, so I couldn't listen live. But I always love to go back and listen to the recordings because usually about an hour later, you've got it up and, and, and going. Uh, one of the great things I really like about your live format is um, I think a couple of weeks ago with step four, I was able to ask some questions because I was able to catch that one online. Great speaker, by the way, on uh, personal inventory. And I was able actually able to ask some questions live and have you respond and, and have your speaker respond. And, and that was fantastic. You know, one of the things I think that really, and I want you to speak how important this is. You touched on it just a little bit. When I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, because um, I tried Gamblers Anonymous first and because I wasn't going to work it, it didn't work, right? Although I wanted to blame Gamblers Anonymous. Um, I found that there were so many things that I sort of latched onto me along the way, right? I, you know, I become bulimic. I was a compulsive gambler. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I was addicted to pornography, going to the strip club on a regular basis, you know, spending milk money as, you know, from my family, as if it was money to gamble. So many different things were affecting me. And obviously I couldn't stay sober to save my life, but I I didn't know. Do you think sometimes, Justin, with your audience, and and I want to talk about faith as well, because one of the things you mentioned is all walks of faith. And that is so important because we are going to talk about God, right? We are going to talk about a higher power, but I want you to talk about the freedom that we have in finding out who that higher power is for, for me. Hold on. Let me just hang this up real quick. There we go. And turn my ringer off. I apologize for that. Um, so let's, let's talk about that, um, um, about inviting everyone and then we sort of sort out because I think a lot of times, and maybe you found this true, I think it's alcohol or I think it's drugs. And it finds it actually is turns out to be another thing that triggers the rest of these things, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so so Robert, my one of the biggest eye-opening and awakenings for me in my own walk in recovery is that God is not just the God of the Catholics or the God of the Jews or the God of the Mormons or the God of whoever it may be. 
God is God of all of us. And I can understand God in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And yet that God of my understanding loves if, if, if I'm, if I'm truly seeing that God loves me perfectly for who I am, where I am and how I am and invites me to, to progress, to do a little bit better. And that is something that it has really, um, come clear to me over the last handful of years as I've been walking this is that my understanding, my faith's understanding of God, you know, it may be correct, but it's no better than anybody else's yeah. um, religions. And God loves me just in, and them just as much as he loves me and me just as much as he loves them. You know, that that's so important because, you know, I live in, in Salt Lake Valley. Um, and so obviously I'm surrounded by a Mormon community. Um, I love to go to Catholic mass because I find it so interesting and I have a lot of friends involved in the Buddhist network. And so there's a, and I am a born again, Christian personally. And so, you know, just looking at those four approaches to spirituality, I often tell people and, and talk on this for a moment, because I think this is so important, uh, because a lot of times it's a stumbling block for people. Um, I tell people I don't care who your God is. I just care what your God does, right? Absolutely. And what does my God do? Well, I can tell you what my God did before I understood this. I was fearful of my God that he was yeah. going to punish me, that he was going <laughs> to um, um, threaten me with hellfire and damnation for eternity if I didn't behave and act absolutely perfectly, which I'm not going to. Um, I was, I, I, I feared, I didn't fear. I experienced that he didn't know who I was because mm-hmm. I, as I prayed to the walls and ceilings, uh, I didn't hear anything back. Um, and, and I just felt that way for decades of my life. Now, is that because my, is that because God didn't exist? I've learned that, no, that's not why mm-hmm. it's because I didn't know how to, or didn't want to. Yeah listen. And that's, uh, that's kind of my experience. And, and one of the awakenings that's happened as I walk through, through recovery and get to know people from so many different backgrounds, what a blessing it is that God puts me in the path of right now, right now I'm one of, so, so I have a sponsor in two different fellowships and in the last three sponsors I've had, one is an Orthodox Jew from mm-hmm. Canada. One was a uh, practicing Muslim from um, the UK. And the one that I currently am working with in, in Overeaters Anonymous, which is my, one of my fellowships that I'm in is a self-described communist atheist. And yet to hear him talk about God, the God of his understanding humbles me, Yeah, humbles me to the core. And what a blessing that has been to work with people from this diverse background in my, in my walks in recovery. You know, I, I think that's so important. I, and I love that word diversity because, you know, I just didn't know where I fit. And yet everywhere I went, I felt so out of place and I wanted to fit and belong somewhere. And here you know, they told me early on, if you're not sure you're an alcoholic, stick around because you'll do till one shows up, right? And so I kept coming back, kept coming back, because that's what you told me to do. And one day, I was home. And here I was, 
with various genders, various sexual orientations, various races, various religious backgrounds, socioeconomic, male, female, all of the different things that make us up. And yet, I never felt more at home, yet given the most diverse environment I had ever been in, right? And 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 I say that because I want everyone to understand there's a place for everyone. You know, if if a person goes to a meeting, whether it's Zoom or live, and I obviously I prefer live, there's a there's a, an accountability, there's a there's a proximity, I think that breeds healing uh, in ways that social media could never do. Um, but just that feeling of unity, that feeling of regardless of how different you are from me, the differences between you and me don't matter because the important things, we are exactly alike. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it speaks to the core of what I believe the core of addiction is, which is the self, the, the, the feeling less than, the feeling different than, the feeling other than, even though, and, and not being able to handle it without the drug of my choice, whatever that drug of my choice yeah. may be. And, and, and if you're okay, I'd like to share a little bit of my story and how, how this is um, developed in my life and how I've eventually come to real, come to stand where I stand today, which I'm sure is not the last place I will stand. I look forward yeah. to climbing through the rest of my life. I'd yeah. love to hear it. So, um, and I'll just start at the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. So I was six years old. I was a regular six-year-old kid hanging out in the, in a field behind my house in, in West Valley city, Utah, um, where I was born and playing in a, in an old, you know, a vacant lot with a, a farm farmland behind and everything. And, and I was pretending and catching snakes and frogs and just having a good old time. And I stumbled across a pornographic magazine that somebody had discarded there. Um, and the first image I saw is one that is still burned in my head. Um, when I saw it, I didn't think, Ooh, gross, or that's weird or whatever. It was this, um, alluring thing that just grabbed me and held on to me. And instead of going home and saying, Hey mom, Hey dad, look what I found. I went home and I hid it in my closet and never told anybody about it. Hmm. Um, four years later, uh, my, well, through that time, my, my understanding of not my understanding, but my uh, portrayal of, or, or vision of women drastically changed. They became objects in my mind. And I, you know, sure. I didn't know what I was thinking or doing. Um, and then when I was 10 years old, a new cool kid moved into the neighborhood and introduced me to masturbation. And that's when the addiction set in mm -hmm. at 10 years old. And I didn't recognize it. I didn't know that, but it was my healing salve for anything that that uh, was uncomfortable or anything that was comfortable, anything that was exciting or, or, or depressing. That was my go-to for decades. Um, now I never really talked to anybody about it. I, it was secret. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was whatever. Um, now holistically, I'm going to go to a couple of different things. As a teenager, mm -hmm. I worked in a fast food place and I got all the free soda in the whole, in the world that I wanted while I was working there. And I developed a real taste for Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper. Love it. But about a year later, as I'm, you know, drinking so much Dr. Pepper, I don't know what to do with it. I'm out with my friends 
and we'd stop at a uh, convenience store and they are out of Dr. Pepper and I lose my mind. I start screaming at the poor guy behind the counter because they didn't have Dr. Pepper. I bet they were surprised. Yeah. And I look around at my friends and they're looking at me like I've grown two or three heads off of my shoulders and like I'm the craziest person there ever was. And I had this realization right then, wait, I'm different than others. I know my friends like Dr. Pepper too, but they aren't freaking out like I am. Yeah. Um, and that was my first real grasp, real time understanding. Hey, I, I've got a problem here. Well, anyway, so I gratefully, I don't know that I was a Dr. Pepper addict because when I, I was able to quit cold Turkey, you know, I was probably just a heavy user, uh, uh, whatever, but, um, but that was my first realization of, Whoa, uh, there's something strange here. Um, time goes on and I eventually at the age of 38 went into the rooms of recovery for the first time. And, and it was for, uh, pornography, for lust, for sex, um, all of the related things there. And, um, my date of sobriety is June 19th of 2015. I had a relapse after about a year and a half of sobriety there, but since then I'm, I'm uh, sober gratefully one day at a time from that. But as, as I started <clears throat> coming through the process, recognize or realizing the happy joys and free rec- realizing the daily reprieve from the obsession, the compulsion and the drive, the cravings that, uh, that I had my whole life, um, I suddenly was brought once again to the fact that hmm, there's something else that's blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. And in my step 11 practices, you know, over those years, I was regularly asked by the God of my understanding to address my relationship with food. I was like, okay, I'll just stop eating. You know, I'll eat less. I'll, I'll avoid these things, whatever. And I could not, Mm. I would binge and binge and binge and binge. Once I started, I, I wouldn't and couldn't stop no matter how many times, just like with uh, lust, no matter how many times I woke up today, I will not do this. Well, I'd find myself, you know, uh, I, eyeball deep in, in shame and food and popcorn and potato chips and, you know, mm-hmm. I salty crunchies are my thing. And, um, and I, could not stop. And so I finally was humbled to the point where, you know, I had seen that uh, 12 step work miraculously worked for me in lust. Why couldn't it in food? And I finally humbled myself to that point. And gratefully I have been food abstinent since December 15th of 2021. Yeah. And uh, what a blessing and a miracle it is. So there's, there's a little bit of my story thoughts or anything. You know, yeah. You know, a couple things, um, you know, the importance of recognizing and acknowledging our addictions is foundational because all the work that you've done since uh, 2015, and congratulations on your upcoming uh, uh, sober anniversary, uh, they're monumental, you know, especially to the newcomer who who comes in and says, I don't know if I can do this. Can I do this? And then they meet you and me and others like us. And we can lend a sense of hope. And so, you know, so often, you know, giving back is is not separate from my recovery. It is part of my recovery, right? I tell people you can't, you can't, you can only fill an empty cup, right? 
And, 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 and if I have a person telling me they're not receiving, I just figured that person is not giving because the universe, it's almost like a universal law. You know, it's that law of attraction, whatever I put out, the likelihood is I'm going to get back. I'm not always going to get it back in the way I think I will. That's where connecting to God and having God, our higher powers of wisdom and insight to notice these things, but recognizing and acknowledging. And then also, you know, the reason we acknowledge our other addictions that once, once we attack the primary, then that sort of removes the cloud and the ego where we can identify other things that you were able to identify that you were denying in your food addiction. And I did similar. I didn't stop throwing up until I was 18 months clean and sober. You know, I didn't stop gambling until I was a few years into my sobriety over alcohol and drugs. Pornography took about three years for me to overcome. I didn't stop smoking cigarettes until I was seven years clean and sober. So, you know, we, we keep taking that inventory. How important do you think that is, Justin, to, to our overall wellness? And was there, was there just an uncomfortability you felt with yourself or what you thought you were portraying to other people? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, I think it's vital to do a regular personal inventory. Well, step 10 is take a daily inventory. Yes. Um, and see where I'm, uh, see where I'm doing well, see where maybe I need to improve, see what mistakes I'm making in my life and see where other blockages are between me and God and me and mm -hmm. my fellows. Um, and, you know, sometimes those, those blockages, yeah, they're pointed out to me, but I'm like, mm, I want to find the easy way around this. Yeah. I want to not hit it head on. And, uh, and I think that's the natural reaction of people now. Um, so I think it's vital to, to be open to looking at that mm -hmm. and, and, and approaching it. And then, you know, step 11 states, you know, seeking um, God's will. I'm, I'm going to totally paraphrase this and the power to carry it out yes. is, is the last line. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, um, I'm happy seeking God's will and I'm happy doing the easy stuff that God asks me to do. Yeah. But the power to carry it out is something that, uh, sometimes I'm like, mm, I think I'll just try that under my own power, not with your power, God, because your yeah. power means I've got to make some big changes probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's a, there's a, there's an obligation that comes with God's power, um, specific obligation. You know, it's, I'm, I'm so glad you say that because in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says lack of power. That was our dilemma, you know, and, and what's wonderful, you know, I wanted to hold on to, because it says in the 12 and 12 of AA, it says that practically no one likes to admit complete defeat, right? In step one, we're powerless over our addiction and, and how unmanageable our life had become. No one wants to do that because once I, once I, I become accountable or I admit that now I'm accountable to do something about it, right? As long as I could deny it, minimize or rationalize it, I really didn't have to de deal with it. But once I say, yes, I really am an alcoholic or a drug addict or addicted to sex or 
compulsive gambler or compulsive overeater, you know, all the things that Robert Pardon became, um, you know, until then. So in step one, and I, and I love your conviction and, and that word power, because in step one, we give up power that we never really had that was killing us. And we exchange it for power in step 11 that's designed to get better for ourselves, so we can be of service to others. And so there's that me, God, and others concept that you and I have talked about. Yeah, and I think that's what eventually um, convinced me. God pounding on me for a couple of years saying, Hey, address your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Um, What convinced me was him saying, Hey, I really need you to be of service to me for a lot longer than what you're going to be able to do. If you don't address the service with food. And I started thinking, well, maybe it was the ego in me. Well, I want people to say, Hey, there's Justin, you know, or whatever. And he really (laughs) helped me, but really it was because God said, I need you to do this. Yeah. And, and, and it was to help others. And, and I think that um, that's really important too. Not to not to take it as a an ego thing, as a as an arrogance thing, but to take it as a right size thing. Hey, God has put me in this place right now for a reason, and whatever that reason is, I need to be willing to do, even if it even if it's hard. I need, and this is one of my mantras right now that I I, I talk to with a lot of my sponsees about when they ask me, Hey, you know, what do you do? to stay sober? What do you do to keep on the recovery path? And my answer right now is I do whatever it takes Yeah, every time. And at least one more time, mm-hmm. every time, I, because sometimes, you know, it's not comfortable. It's, it's definitely not easy to stay sober. Sometimes yeah. I have to do yeah. whatever yeah. it takes. You know, in the beginning, I was uncomfortable all the time because I wasn't sure that I belonged, but I knew I didn't belong anywhere else. And, and today um, I'm more comfortable than I ever have been, but I'm not afraid of being uncomfortable anymore because being uncomfortable means I got a little work to do. And I know when I do the work, I know how I'm going to feel on the other side, you know? So so in the big book, once again, it says, when, when trouble comes, and I paraphrase this as well, you know, we, we demonstrate it, you know, we allow God to demonstrate his omnipotence. It's almost like we welcome, you know, that, that, that inventory that, whoa, you're off base here, you're off base there, or there's some pain here, there's some discomfort there. We, it was only when I denied it that it became a big deal. You know, now I have the tools. Hey, I notice. you know, why, why is that upsetting you? Why does that bother you? Whether they're doing or not doing, you know, you need to look at yourself, go take your own inventory before you take theirs, right. And find out what needs to be cleaned up in your house, you know, cause usually, and, and, and maybe you find this true as well. The more I push back at something the more I'm convinced my ego is involved and I need to take my inventory in that particular area so I can get past it. And I, and I, again, I don't invite challenges into my life, things that make me feel uncomfortable, 
but I'm glad when they occur because I know how I'm going to feel when I address it and, and I deploy God to fix that in me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I love that God has proved to me over and over again, that when I um, accept those, those challenges, those um, Mm -hmm. things that he is sufficient to get me through them. Yeah. If I allow him to now, Robert, you, you mentioned something just a few minutes ago that I, I I'd love to ask you a question about, you said, Hey, I'm more comfortable now than I ever have been. Um, And one of the biggest fears that I've had in my recovery is complacency Mm -hmm. Um, and saying, Hey, I got this. Um, I'm, I'm good enough here to do this. How do you maintain, um, the right sizedness, you know, the humility, but also the confidence to do that without getting complacent? You know, and, and I appreciate that question, um, because you know what it is? It's the examples of the, of the men and women who came before me. You know, the most influential people in my life are either living and still working the program or passed away in their sobriety. And quite frankly, you know, I I talk about my five. My living five is my sponsor, Will, with 42 years, Buddy C with 45 years, uh, Scott Shields with 38 years, uh, Steve M will have 37 years in September, and Fast Eddie P, who just celebrated 37 years. And they're still doing the same thing. So it's, it's, it's staying accountable to them, right, as men who have gone before me. And, and the other thing is, it's my obligation to others. There, is a, there are people who look to me. And, and they, I want to get better for them. I want them to see that if they continue to do what they're doing, there will come a time where they can have what I've been given. And so I wake up every morning when I take my inventory at night and I ask God to disclose to me the areas where I need to be a better person. And then I wake up the next morning with the commitment to be the best version of me possible for the sole purpose of helping whoever God has for me to help that day. And so it's a, it's a, it's a commitment to those who invested in me and my obligation to God and those that God would put in front of me to assist in a unique way because God is going to help those people one way or another. And the fact that God would consider using me is an honor that I don't want to give away. Thank thank you so much for that, Robert. I I think that's something that uh, for the first nearly five years of me uh, being in the rooms, well, after about a year and a half of those first five years, I was like the grandfather in those rooms mm-hmm. with sobriety. And that yeah. that's not a good place for somebody with so little sobriety to be. Um, and that's one of the th- reasons now I thank God for COVID. <laughs> it yeah. opened my network so wide. Um, it opened 
the 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 recovery people that like you robert that i have come to know and love and look up to and say you know i want what that guy has what has that guy done to get what he has well he's continued work in the program if i'm the <clears throat> excuse me if i'm the grandfather and i only have two years sobriety um man what hope does that offer others other yeah. than hey look he's doing it right now but is he going to keep doing it i don't know yeah but I, one of my favorite people in the world is, a, is an alcoholic with 49 years sober and he wow. is my hero, you know, and I just look to him and, and, and when we talk, um, he talks to me about new insights he gains. It's not mm-hmm. stale. Recovery is not yeah. stale, even at 49 years. And if it's becoming stale for me at, at nearly seven years right now, uh, I've yeah. got to examine myself and see yeah. why, you know, and that's true. Um, you know, we, we hear an adage, and, and I'm so glad, and I love cliches, you know, things become cliches because they work. If they did not work, people would have forgot about them a long time ago, and they would no longer be a cliche. So early on, um, and I heard this on a speaker tape, and, and they were debunking the adage where the newcomer is the most important person in the room. And we've heard it before. We've said it before. And they said, if that is true, then a 12-step, and, and because it's a universal truth, 12-step recovery needs new, it's, it's like a giant furnace that needs new coals just to keep it going, right? He said, the fact is that those of us who are already here if we don't do the best we can for ourselves, there's not going to be anyone here when the newcomer arrives. And I thought, that's what I want to learn. I want to learn to, to burn bright so I can be there when that newcomer, when they're wondering if they fit. I can say, I remember I was, I was on the phone with this person who's got 27 days recovery. And she was, she was talking to me about, Robert, all I can do is hide under the covers because I'm so afraid. And you know what, Justin? I remember hiding under my covers. I remember the only, if I wasn't in a meeting, because I was unemployable at the time, if I wasn't in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous or NA or OA, I was in my studio apartment hiding under my covers, and I would only come out when I had to turn back in those days, it was cassettes. When I turned over the cassette to the speaker tape I was listening to. Other than that, I, I hid, but I don't hide anymore because I'm happy, I'm joyous, and I'm free. And I celebrate every day. You know, to this day, Justin, I still celebrate on a daily basis. And, and today I have 13,132 days of personal recovery. Awesome. And, and because for every one of us, Justin, whether it's the newcomer coming into the room of recovery or you coming up on seven years or me coming up on 36, the power is in the day, you know, and there's a great poem out there by uh, the Kalidasa and it's called look to this day. And I know you're familiar with it. But it talks about yesterday is but a dream and tomorrow is but a vision. But today, well lived, 
right? And that's what you and I have. We have today well-lived makes every yesterday, I forget what what is said there, but makes every day just a great look back and, and makes tomorrow just something wonderful to look forward to. But the power is in the day. And I never want to lose sight because I don't, I don't have guaranteed to me 13,133. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in pretty good shape for an older guy, right? I live a good moral life. I don't expect I'm going to get hit by lightning, right? But I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, but what I do know is I've got today, right? You have today. We all have today. So let's make the most of today that we possibly can. You know, it's here in Utah. It's right now as we record this, it's uh, 3.45 in the afternoon. I've got about eight more hours left of this day to be the best version of me. And when I go out and run some errands after we finish chatting, I want to see how kind I can be to other people because we never know who we're going to come in contact with. And if I can make another person's day better, how much better is my day going to be? Love it. And, and, and I also agree with that. It, I, I've come to call it um, recovery capital in meetings. I seek, <laughs> I crave meetings. It's like a bank account. Yeah, exactly. I crave getting to meetings where, where there are multiple people with multiple years of sobriety who are really working the steps and not just showing up and being there to, to spout off you know, about their, their wisdom, but saying, Hey, this is how, this is what works for me. And yeah. this is how I got there. And I crave those meetings now. And, 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 and I crave to be one of those people in those meetings that can say, like you said, can say it works if, if you work it. So work it, you're worth it, you know? Yeah. So as we get ready to close, Justin, um, I want what message do you have for the newcomer who's trying to find where they fit? What message do you, do you have for the person who's been around for a minute? And then most importantly, how can people reach out to you at RICO 12? Thanks, Robert. So the message I have for the newcomer is, and this is, it's another one of those cliches, but it works. It's cliche because it's true. Don't give up before the miracle happens. Yeah. And what I love about that, and this is, this is to the person that's been around for a minute, the miracles keep happening. Don't mm -hmm. give up before the next miracle happens yeah. because at five years, at six years, at six and a half years sobriety, I still see miracles very regularly, at yeah. least once a month and things that I thought, Oh, That'll never change. And something changes in me. Something changes in somebody I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And something changes in people when I'm talking to you, like you, Robert, with 36 years, with people like my, 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 one of my mentors, Father Bill W with 49 years. Wow. And they share with me miracles that happen and new insights they gain. Don't give up before the miracle yeah. happens, before the next miracle happens, because <laughs> it will happen. Yes. And um, so I think that's my message for today with that. Now, how do you get a hold of me? Um, you can go to my website, rico12.com. That's reco12.com. And you can learn about the podcast. You can learn about the organization. You could submit your email address there to get on the mailing list to see when those, uh, to get the invites to each week's 
meetings, mm-hmm. speaker meetings, or you can email me at rico12pod at gmail.com. That's R-E-C-O-1-2 pod, P-O-D at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions to, you know, just fellowship with you. I, yeah. That connection saves me every day. Well, that's fabulous. And I really, you know, not only on a brother to brother in recovery, uh, but you really are a wonderful person. I know who you are. And, and, and I hope that others can find what you have found. You know, there's such a commonality between us. You know, it says on page 17, we are like the passengers of a great liner when moment after rescue from shipwreck, when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy per- pervades the vessel from steerage to captain's table. But unlike the feeling of the ship's passengers, however, our joy and escape from disaster does not subside as we go our own individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which now binds us. So we are bound because we are brothers in recovery. And and I'll tell you what, man, I couldn't be happier to be bound with people like you who are so committed to your own wellness because you know that you will have an opportunity to help someone else get well. And what a great mission that is. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Love you too, man. And thank you for being a part of Recovery Guy podcast. And 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 everyone reach out to Justin. I think you'll find him uh, the fresh drink of water that I have as well. And so Justin, have a great day and uh, blessings to you and your family. Thank you very much, Robert. You bet. Uh, and, and thank you, the listening audience, for uh, taking time and listening to Recovery Guy podcast. Of course, my name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. And remember, we got broken apart, but we get whole together. Be blessed and have a great day. <music>